Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the Braves and the Falcons as the Braves drop two out of three against the Giants, but they come back this weekend. They sweep the Phillies um, in a pretty big series there that they had. Um, and then the Falcons almost come back from down 28 to three, almost some poetic justice against the Rams. Uh, but didn't happen. They fell just short of what would have been uh, an amazing comeback and almost pulled a opposite Falcons, which was a nice change of pace. But um, we will get into that later. First, we're going to discuss the Braves and the baseball. And a few storylines took place this week and a little update on the standings and projections of the Braves rest of the season what they got ahead Uh, but we'll start off with the uh, first series of the week in San Francisco against the Giants Uh, this wraps up the uh, west coast trip they were on wasn't the kindest west coast trip overall with the kind of two disappointing series with the Mariners and now this one with the Giants they did lose two out of three and that started out with a loss in game one three to two Spencer Strider pitched in this game he actually got bumped up um, a day in the rotation to give Kyle Wright an extra day of rest. Um, Strider pitched pretty well though in this game. Um, didn't have his best stuff by any means, but kind of got um kind of got hurt by some bad defense. Um, a error by Vaughn Grissom, which probably should have been on Matt Olson for not picking a ball of the dirt, caused an unearned run to score, um, and that was the difference in the game. The Braves lost three to two. They got two runs in the eighth on a Dansby Swanson two-run single. Then Austin Riley had an absolutely brutal double play right after him. And uh, Matt Olson came up after that. And I uh, couldn't get Acuna in from third in the eighth to tie the game. And uh, I'll talk more about Matt Olson. He had a bad game in this one. Um, he had the wasn't an error on him. It would be an error on Von Grissom. But it's a ball that he has to pick out of the dirt. And not only did he not pick the ball, he absolutely flung it like almost into the dugout. And it let a run score pretty easily. Probably would have scored anyway, but still... A uh, pretty bad play by Matt Olson, who has been absolutely terrible lately. Um, I guess we can do this now. We can get the Matt Olson discussion over with. Um, he has been probably the worst hitter in baseball since August 28th. Um, so that's an 18-game sample size. Over that span, he has gone 4 for 65 at the plate. 4 for 65. He He has a batting average of... 0-6-2. His batting average starts with a 0 since August 28th. That's 65 at-bats. I believe it was like 70-something plate appearances. Um, but his slash line is .062 batting average, a 164 on on-base percentage, and a 108 slugging. That is a 272 OPS, and that is good for a negative 24 WRC+. He has struck out 22 times over that span. He's only walked seven times over that span. He has one extra base hit, and it is a home run that he hit in Oakland. Um, so four, out of the four hits, one of them were for extra bases. It was a homer. The rest are singles. This is just like a um, concerningly bad stretch of hitting by Olsen. I, I didn't look this up, but I can't imagine there's been anyone worse over this span than him. And it's not just like he had a bad series. This is 18 games now. This is you know, five, six series um, in a row that he has just been absolutely a black hole. And it's not like he's batting eight or ninth. He is batting cleanup in every single one of these games. 
and he has four hits and only one that went for extra bases. That is just absolutely terrible. He had the error in this game against the Giants. I wish I could say that he picked things up over the weekend against the Phillies. He did not. I think he had maybe one hit the entire series. Uh, he might have had no hits at all. I, he might not have a hit since this Giants game in game one, I think. But um, I'll read you his numbers on the year. His numbers in the season, they're not terrible, um, but they're definitely like way below Matt Olson's standards. He is now sitting at a 776 OPS, a 113 OPS plus. His OBP has dipped below 320 which is just really, really rough. He's slugging 467. He's played in every single game this year, um, which is worth noting. Um, so I don't know if this is injury-related, if he's got something bothering him, if he's just wore out, or if he's just been you know, in a really bad slump, and there's really no rhyme or reason. He just can't hit the ball. Um, for a uh, comparison, I looked at Eddie Rosario's numbers this season before he uh, had eye surgery, so... When Eddie couldn't have, couldn't even see the ball, him and Matt Olson have the same exact WRC plus. Eddie had a negative 24 WRC plus, and that's what Matt has over this larger sample. Eddie didn't even get this most this many at bats um, that Matt Olson has over the sample. So that's kind of shows you where he's at. The guy that couldn't see out of one of his eyeballs, he is hitting the exact same way he did for more at bats. That's just bad. It's just really bad. And, um, you know, Matt Olson just has to be better than this. I mean, his season overall is honestly very disappointing right now. Unless he goes on a tear in his last 16 games and can get his numbers up to a solid place, um, which he could do. That's that's not off the table. But he's been bad. He's been very, very bad lately. And probably the worst, just one of the worst stretches of any hitter um, this season, probably, if we're being honest. I don't, I don't know if anyone's been worse than him, except for, like, maybe Eddie earlier. So two Braves. Um, that have been just awful over two stretches. But Eddie has the excuse of his eye, and um, I don't know. Maybe Matt Olson does something something bothering him, but if he does, the Braves just need to give him a day. I don't know why they haven't gave him a day yet um, just to rest, but I don't know, man. It's uh, pretty frustrating, and hopefully he can get it going soon because the Braves need it. But, um, yeah, that was the Matt Olson tangent. Um, it was going to come sooner or later on the podcast, but I got it out of the way now. Talking about this first game where he had the bad play, and uh, I think should have been an error on him for not picking that ball at the dirt. So move on to game two. This was the game the Braves won in the series, a 5-1 to one victory. Kyle Wright got back on track in this game after his bad start in Oakland. Um, so he was very solid in this game. He went 5.1 innings pitched, one earned run, four strikeouts. Did walk a few guys, but didn't result in any runs. So he was pretty good and a good bounce back for him. Dansby Homer in this game, another big hit for him. Um, he had a three RBIs too as he tacked on an insurance run in the top of the ninth to make it 5-1. to one. And uh, Kenley Jansen got into this game. Um, wasn't a safe situation, obviously, as they were up four runs, but he got in. Um, he had a 1-2-3 inning. He needed that desperately. He actually didn't. He gave up a hit. It was just a little single, but he had two strikeouts. Um, so he looked a lot better. And I think it was good. They got him in a non-save situation. Um, and uh, just kind of guess like trying to get his bearing straight and for him to figure things out in a, kind of a lower leverage spot. And he looked good there. Okay, so we'll move on to game three, the rubber match. Um, this was a afternoon game. Um, the Braves lose four to one. And for being honest, this was probably one of the more miserable games of the entire season just the way the Braves looked overall um, was awful they just looked lethargic especially on offense they just couldn't get nothing going except for like Robbie Grossman who has been terrific lately he had three hits in this game 
Um, he had three of their six hits. Contreras had two of their hits, and then Eddie had a pinch hit single. That was all the hits they had. Um, none of them went for extra bases. They were all singles. And Charlie Morton got the start in this game, and he had uh, another rough one. Um, 5.1 innings pitched, four earned runs, two walks, did have seven strikeouts, but just uh, wasn't good again. And he just he's another guy that just hasn't been good enough. Um, he's a, He has a 4.17 ERA on the season now, I believe. Let's see, he's worth less than two baseball reference war now. The strikeout numbers are still really good, but he has a 99 ERA plus on the season. Um, that is 1% below league average, so according to ERA plus, he has been a below average pitcher this year. Um, a 410 FIP, pretty similar to his ERA, so it's not like he's getting super unlucky or anything. Um, the home runs are way up. Didn't give up a homer in this Giants game, but homers are like almost at uh, double of what he gave up last year which is bad. Um, but, yeah, Morton's been – he's been rough lately. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they line things up for him. I do think he's still going to be, like, the game four starter in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't think he should be any more than that. I think Wright and Strider and obviously Freed have been much better than him. And he is just the fourth starter, and he's pitched like it this year. I mean, if it wasn't Charlie Morton and the Braves had on some guy that you knew was going to be a fourth starter and he put up this season, to be perfectly fine. But – from what Charlie Morton's being paid, he's being paid twenty million dollars. His expectations, he's kind of in a similar boat to Matt Olson. You know, they're just they got to be better for what they're expecting. And Morton, you know, he's old. Like Charlie Morton is thirty-eight years old, so it's more of a natural thing for him than what Olson's going through at the plate. But um, yeah, he just wasn't very good in this game at all, and uh, kind of tough to watch. It's, this whole game was tough to watch as a whole because Morton was bad in the offense, which is terrible. Like it, it, it was just. Like they didn't stand a chance. I know Camillo Duvall came in for the save in the ninth inning. He struck out the side, and it was just like, yeah, get these guys back to Atlanta because this is this is tough to watch. They just looked like they didn't even belong out there on a Wednesday. Uh, but they had the day off on Thursday, and um, they went back home to play the Phillies in a three-game weekend set at home, and it was exactly what they needed. They went 7-2 to in game one. Um, pretty weird game. You look at seven to two, and you think all oh, the Braves kind of controlled this one. They didn't. They were trailing two to one in the bottom of the eighth inning, and it looked like the offense was just still in a skid as a team. Um, like uh, dating back to those Giants games and some of those Mariners games, like they're just really going through it. But um, in the uh, in the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth, Eddie Rosario comes up, draws a walk as he pinch hit for Robbie Grossman. He's, uh, he continues to do pretty good work as a pinch hitter. He had that big pinch hit against the Mariners, had a pinch hit single against the Giants, gets the pinch hit walk, and um, brings up Ron Acuna, who had been in a skid of his own lately. Um, but he comes through big time with a two-run homer into the chop house. Um, obviously a massive homer in the bottom of the eighth to give the Braves the lead, 3-2. to two. Probably Acuna's biggest homer of the season. Um, pretty awesome. He was very fired up after he for very fired up after he hit it for good reason. Um, it was a rocket right into the chop house, um, and that that would not be all the runs for the Braves this inning as they added on. Um, I know Michael Harris had a hit, score run. Ozzy Albies, who we'll talk about um, in a second in a more uh, depressing manner, but he had a bloop RBI double that scored two runs. The Braves really just added on Contreras, homered in this game, and had an RBI hit in the eighth. Um, he's been on fire lately. He's hitting the ball really well. And, uh, yeah, the Braves get uh, get the 7-2 win. Um, the other noteworthy thing from this game was when the Braves were only up 3-2, to they were using Rysel Iglesias 
um, in the bullpen. So like he was going to come in for the save, and Kinley was just in the dugout, wasn't even in the bullpen. So they said he was unavailable for the game because he had a bruise on his pinky. And it looked like for a second, it's like, oh, are they going to use Iglesias as a closer in this one-run game? Um, looks like that wasn't the case. It was more of Kinley being a little banged up than uh, using Iglesias for the save. But um, they did use Kinley on Saturday night um, in a one-run game, which they won 4-3. to three. Um Let's see, Acuna homered again in this game off of Aaron Nola this time, kind of similar to the one that he hit on Friday night, opposite field shot. Um, that put the Braves up 2 to nothing. Darno had a double in this game. Um, Acuna had four RBIs total. He was awesome in this one. Um, and, yeah, he kind of won, won this game single-handedly for the Braves. He drove in every run, and he had a huge, and I mean huge, two-out catch with the bases loaded. A diving grab to Rob Bryce Harper of what would have put the Phillies on top, I think. Um, just a massive play by uh, by Acuna. He he won this game single-handedly for the Braves, and you know that's something that he hasn't done a ton this year as he's been struggling with the knee and it's just kind of been bothering him. But Ron Acuna is still a guy that is very capable of single-handedly winning you a baseball game. You know, I wasn't I wasn't able to watch much of this game, uh, so I didn't get to see that diving play. But when I went back and watched like the highlights of the game. And I saw that he made that play in that situation. Like, I literally, like, my mouth opened up. Like, my jaw dropped of just how clutch of a play that was in the field. That was an awesome diving catch. Especially with Bryce Harper up, too. It's just, like, a perfect storm. Um, so, yeah, really, really, really good catch. And uh, Acuna really saved the day. And he won this game for the Braves pretty much. Uh, Jake Odorizzi started in this game. He was really bad against the Mariners. He had a he had a solid bounce back start. Didn't go super deep into the game, but went 4.2 innings pitch and only gave up one earned run with five strikeouts. You take that every day from Odorizzi. That's perfectly fine and good. Um, bullpen was a little bit shaky. McHugh gave up a run. AJ Mentor gave up a run. Glacier gave up a couple gave up a couple of hits, but no runs. And then uh, Kinley came in one run game in the ninth. One, two, three inning with a strikeout. Only threw nine pitches, so that was definitely super, super encouraging as uh, Kinley has uh, two good outings in a row now, and this one coming in a one-run game, safe situation. So hopefully he can get back on track because that's a very important thing. So we'll move on to the third and final game of this series. Uh, the Braves won 5-2. to two. Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves, and uh, he made a little bit of history in this game. He was the fastest pitcher ever in a single season to reach 200 strikeouts in the history of baseball. He broke Randy Johnson's record, which he sat back in like 2001 or something. Um, I believe it was 129 and some and a third innings or something like that um, that broke the record as he reached his 200 strikeout. He went six innings pitched, one earned run, 10 strikeouts um, on the day. Uh, so he's over 200 strikeouts on the season now in just 130 innings, I think. 131 and two-thirds innings pitched and 202 strikeouts. It's pretty good, if you ask me. Um, but, yeah, he was awesome again this game. Had a few walks, but worked around him. Kind of couldn't find his uh, feel early. Kind of similar to the Giants game where he didn't didn't have a great feel early on in the game. But um, as the game got on, he got stronger. He figured some things out and battled through and had a really good start. Um, another one. He seems to do that pretty much every time he comes out. So, uh, good stuff there from Spencer. Um, as far as the offense, William Contreras, another homer. Robbie Grossman hit a homer too. Those two guys have been red hot lately, especially especially Grossman. He had two hits in this game, and he's just having a really turned his um, season around with the Braves, um, which is you know shocking. Braves got a kind of a outfielders having a trash season comes to the Braves. Now he's got a 106 OPS plus, being a very valuable contributor to the team. He's been really good. 
Um, another homer for him, his fifth with the Braves, and Contreras hit his 19th of the season, which uh, broke the tie. Uh, the tie was only the only run that I tried to give up was on a Alec Baum homer to dead center, and Michael Harris almost made like one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in my life. He like climbed the wall in a half a second, got his glove on a ball that was well over the fence. It ticked off his glove. If he would have caught it, it would have been catch of the year. It was an incredible play, even though he didn't catch it, just for him to get up there. That was awesome. But, um, yeah, that was um, nice to see. Strider poked fun of him after the game. He said that he catches those in BP all the time. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, was, that would have been an insane catch. But uh, that was the only run Strider gave up. That tied the game, but then Contreras immediately turns around in the uh, next inning and hits a homer for himself to put the Braves up. And they never looked back. They uh, won 5-2 to two in this game. Um, but now we'll get into the uh, bad news happened this week, and it was that uh, Ozzy Albies, who returned on Friday night against the Phillies, um, he got hurt again on Saturday night, sliding into second base. He fractured his pinky finger, and he is out for the regular season. Um, they put him on the 10-day IL. Snit said that he is done for the regular season, but that there is a chance that he could come back during the postseason. Um, but just absolutely brutal for Ozzy. Literally his second game coming back after missing but I think it was over well over two months with a broken foot, which both these injuries he's had are just kind of been freak accidents. Like he literally broke his foot just running out of the box. Like nothing really happened. Um, so that's that was a weird injury there. And this one he just slides into second. He his I think his pinky popped out on the field and he popped it back in himself and then got back to the dugout, they checked him out, removed him from the game. Von Grissom comes in and uh yeah. Brutal break for Ozzy. I'm just just coming back, and then this happening really sucks. Um, but the Braves, they have Von Grissom. He's still been playing pretty well, and um, a very viable replacement for Ozzy. And then Ozzy, he can come back in the postseason. You know, I think if the Braves make a deep run, he'll if the Braves are in the CS or even the World Series, I think he will for sure be back around that time period. So I think the deeper the Braves get into the playoffs, the more likely it will be that Ozzy comes back. Um, so yeah, hopefully Ozzy can heal quick and get back out there soon because he is definitely a positive for this team. Um, even though he's not having the best year, um, he's still a very, very valuable baseball player um, beyond just his hitting. He does a lot of things well. So um, now that that's over with, we'll uh, get into the division talk. Um, one pretty interesting stat that I pulled here um, regarding the Mets and the Braves, um, and there's their comparison of their last 16 games. Um, the Mets in their last 16 games have played the Nationals, the Pirates twice, the Marlins, and the Cubs. Those are all well below 500 teams. Um, this was the spot in the schedule that was concerning as a Braves fan because the Mets' schedule was so easy that they might just pull away because of the sheer inferior opponents that they're facing. And that was not the case at all of what happened in these last 16 games. So, like I said, they played the Nationals, who are the worst team in baseball, the Pirates, who I believe are in last place in the NL Central, the Cubs, who are um, a bad team, um, not as bad as these other teams. Um, they did sweep the Mets. Um, and then they played the Marlins for three, and the Marlins are pretty bad also. And they went 9-7 and seven over those 16 games. That is a huge win as a Braves fan because also over this, the, the Braves' last 16 games, they went 12-4. and four. So not only did the Mets not pull away, in this incredibly soft spot in their schedule. 16 games, too. That's a solid amount of games um, against super easy teams. Not only did they not pull away, they lost ground in the standings. 
as the Braves went 12 and four over their last 16. So the Braves gained three games on them. Um, pretty pretty nuts that that's what happened over this thing, and that's definitely concerning if you're a Mets fan because this was the section of your schedule you could pull away, and like even if the Braves, you know, just played decently, you could still gain a few games on them. Um, you know, if you asked a Mets fan. What do you predict over these next 16 games the Mets record will be? I'm sure a lot of them would probably say like 13 and 3, 14 and 2, maybe maybe at the bare minimum we should go 11 and 5, you know? I think that's be the answer. And they go 9 and 7. And they were 5 and 7 until this weekend. They four games swept the Pirates. So it took them four games sweeping the last series to get over 500 against these teams. Um, so they were 5 and 7 at one point, but now they're 9 and 7 over these games. They do have a hard um, series finally this week they play the Brewers who are in the wild card hunt and have a lot to play for so uh, that's good for the Braves as they play the Nationals this week so there, there's a chance that the Braves could make up some ground as they're still the only one game back uh, so yeah now we're gonna get into the standing projections for the rest of the season I'm gonna pull up a few different websites and just kind of get the uh, get the overall general consensus of what they think I think they're all kind of different though uh, the first one I'm gonna look at is the baseball reference projection model they have the Braves as pretty big favorites to win the division. Um, they are the only one with the Braves as big favorites or favorites at all, but they are giving the Braves a 56.9% chance to win the division. That's high for me as a Braves fan, and I, I trust the Braves a lot. I think they do have a very good shot of winning the division. I don't think it's that high. Um, you know, there's still a game back. They still don't have the tiebreaker. I think those things, I don't know how much are considered in their system but I honestly kind of disagree with baseball references um you know their their projection here honestly um now I'm gonna look at fan graphs and look at their projection as a let's pull up the Braves right here and they are projecting the Braves a let's see their percentage chance they are projecting the Braves to have a 33 percent chance to win the NL East See, that's, that's a little lower than I would say, too. I think it's more of like a, probably give the Mets a 52, 53% chance to win. I think it's pretty close to 50-50. Um, but this one's kind of low, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it's kind of two sides of the spectrum um, between baseball reference and uh, fan graphs as who is higher on the Braves. And it seems that uh, baseball reference is really high on the Braves. But now we're going to look at one more um, to see what 538 says. And uh, this one, I think this is the one I, I align with the most, um, as they have the Braves at a 41% chance to win the division. That's that's pretty spot on, I'd say. 59% um, for the Mets, 41 for the Braves. Um, they're giving the Braves a higher percent to win the World Series than the Mets on here. I think Baseball Reference had that too, obviously, because they already think they're going to win the division over them. Um, but yeah, this is probably one I align with the most. I think uh, they have the Braves and Mets finishing with the exact same record, so I'm assuming they're going to think the Mets are going to win the tiebreaker, which is probably um, the smart thing to, to assume in that case. Um, but yeah, this is probably the more likely, most likely um, scenario here that they're projecting. Um, but the Braves are in a good spot still. One game back, you got that big three-game set with the Mets still to make up ground. You've got six games with the Nationals left and three games with the Marlins. And those are bad teams, so you can uh, definitely get fat there. You would love to maybe win all six of these games against the Nationals because they are truly awful. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, those are the projections right now um, for the rest of the season. And like I said, the Braves play the Nationals this week. They play Nationals and then four with the Phillies. And the Mets, I believe, 
go um, Milwaukee, at Milwaukee, and then at Oakland. So kind of a weird road trip for them. So maybe things get a little funky for the Mets as they kind of play two um, weird series as they go to Milwaukee to Oakland. That's, that's interesting. Going out west for one series, they're probably not thrilled about that. So maybe that's a, a uh, advantage for the Braves there. So, yeah, that's all for the Braves. Um, good weekend. Really big, really important that they swept that um, series of the Phillies after the kind of two disappointing ones with the Mariners and the Giants. So now we will move on to the Falcons talk now. Um, the Falcons lost to the Los Angeles Rams this weekend in L.A. A uh, very interesting football game that they played. Uh, that's all I can say. They went down, of course, in this game 28-3. to That was the big joke going around as... Naturally, everybody was getting at that low-hanging fruit of the Falcons going down to 20-3. But in pretty surprising fashion, they come around and they make a actual very, very close game and a good game out of this. Um, you know, they were down 21-3 at half. They ended up going down 28-3 in the third quarter. But for the rest of the way, after they went down 28-3, they outscored the Rams 24-3. They do end up losing, though, 31-27 and a uh, pretty nail-biting finish, honestly. The Falcons had the ball down 31 to 27 in Rams territory. Um, it uh, it didn't end well as Marcus Mariota threw an interception to Jalen Ramsey, who is probably the best um, corner. It was actually 28 to 27 because the Rams ended up taking the safety. I'll get into that in a second. But um, he threw a pick to Jalen Ramsey, who is probably the best corner in the NFL. I didn't love that throw at all because it was um, double coverage, Jalen Ramsey and somebody else on Brian Edwards, who is not the most physical and dominant receiver ever. It's not like he was throwing it up to Pitts or Drake London there. Um, and, you know, it was kind of just a bit of a jump ball, and Ramsey won it. He's very good, and um, that's bound to happen. But even after that, the Falcons had a chance in this game. They um, ended up pretty much stalling out the Rams in their own territory. And then the Rams take a safety on the punt, um, so they didn't have to uh, kick it up, punt it off to the Falcons. The Falcons did block a punt. Um, that really put them back in this game. That was a huge play for them. Um, so they didn't, didn't want to risk that in doing the doing the punt. Um, so they run it into the back of the end zone, take a safety, make it 31-27. But then they had to do the safety punt to where you just throw it up to yourself like you're in the backyard. And uh, those are kind of like more similar to kickoffs. And um, since you have to punt it like that, you can't punt it out of bounds, which they did. They punted it out of bounds. That's a 15-yard penalty. And that put the Falcons right at the 50-yard line. Um, it would have been a, It was a Hail Mary. Um, actually, it wasn't Hail Mary. The Falcons didn't get a pass off, but you know it's a much more doable play now that they kicked it out of bounds. But Mariota, um, you know, it's kind of a really bad play by the offensive line as the Rams only rushed three there, obviously, because they had everybody back in prevent. Um, but Mariota like was getting swarmed by the three-man rush, which was just kind of it was kind of funny. That's how the game ended. It was just like, oh my god, like. Right when you think there might be a chance of some magic, they just find a way to just do something incredibly silly like that. And Mariota just gets sacked. He ends up falling. It was a goofy play. Um, was unlikely the Falcons were going to um, score there anyway on a Hail Mary, but still would have liked the ball to have been thrown in the air, um, but just didn't happen there. So that was pretty tough. Um, but, you know, obviously not the result you wanted by losing the game, but... I feel better this week than I did after last week when the Falcons were actually in control of a football game. So I don't know what that even means, really. But, um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I uh, 
you know, they've definitely shown some signs. Even that, that that Saints game that was more frustrating than this one, you know, they obviously were in control of that game for a large majority of it. And, um, you know, that's definitely some positives to take from that, the way Mariota looked and just some of the young players in general. And um, one guy I want to talk about who played well in this game is Drake London. He looked good against the Saints, and he looked um, really good in this Rams game. Went, um, went for eight catches. I believe he had 10 targets. He had 86 yards and a touchdown, and he caught a two-point conversion too. Um, so he looked very good in this game. Um, he looked good against the Saints too, like I said. One guy, though, that hasn't been getting enough touches and uh, targets, in my opinion, has been Kyle Pitts. He's just kind of a no-show the past two weeks, and I don't really blame him for that. I think it's more of a schematic theme, and that's kind of on Arthur Smith. Who Arthur Smith has not been... Um, not been great in his post-game pressers. He's been just kind of like sassy to the to the media. He was sassy after the Saints game, and he was doing it again after this one. Like someone asked him a question about Pitts, and he's like, "We're not going to force him the ball. This isn't fantasy football." Like, dude, chill out. Like, I know you're probably a little upset <laughs> of the results of these games, but it's a very valid question. Kyle Pitts was the number four overall pick in the draft two years ago. He is a absolute physical like anomaly of how big he is and the way that he can move so yeah you're going to get questions about him not getting the ball enough that's just part of the territory when you have a guy like Pitts in your team and he's been kind of blank in the past couple weeks like he had two percent he had the exact same game I didn't even notice this he had two catches for 19 yards against the Saints and two catches for 19 yards against the Rams that's that's not great that's not great at all you don't you don't want that and um you know let me look at his Excuse me. Let me look at his targets, cause yeah, he had three targets against the Rams. That's that's just not enough. You have to draw up more plays designed for Kyle Pitts. He had seven against the Saints at least. Maybe it just wasn't really working. Um, but three targets to Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's not like this is a offense that still has Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on it. Like the only guy that should be competing with him in targets is Drake London, and they've been feeding Drake London the ball. He's been getting more open and. You know, you got to acknowledge that, too, that maybe Pitts isn't playing at the top of his game. But still, you got to get more creative in the play call and get the ball to Kyle Pitts more. Because once you get the ball in his hands, he can make a lot of things happen that not really many other people in the entire NFL can do. He could be a absolute top, not even top tight end, like just top receiving option in football. When he gets the ball, he's 6'6", 246, and he moves like he weighs, you know, 50 pounds less and is four or five inches shorter like he moves like a person that should not be able to move at his size it's insane and him not um him not getting enough targets is just pretty frustrating and Arthur Smith should not be over there just getting on his feelings when people ask him questions he doesn't like it really rubs me the wrong way um so yeah there's my little Arthur Smith tangent um Kyle slash Kyle Pitts tangent but um yeah man um definitely I would feel better about I mean, the last week was just, like, so Falcons. and part of it was us losing to the Saints, too, that it just really, really made me mad. But um, this was a definitely a some more encouraging signs. There were encouraging signs in the Saints game, too, and there were definitely some in um, this Rams one also. Um, as they almost come back, would have been an insane comeback because they, they haven't really talked about how bad they looked before um, they came back. They looked terrible. They were just dead. They were D-E-D dead on nearly every facet of the game. But they came swimming back, and there's – Give them some credit. Those it was they made it a fun game, which, you know, I'm fine if the Falcons if they just want to lose and get a good draft pick, at least at least make it a little bit fun. And you know, I guess I guess you could say both of these games they played have had some fun endings. And um, yeah, 
you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this team. I'm just kind of observing from afar. I'm not going to get too caught up emotionally in this Falcons team at all this year. But um, still, some interesting things they've done these first two weeks, I'll say, and then some encouraging stuff too. So, uh, yeah, that is uh, all I got on the Falcons, and that's all I got for this episode. So if you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it. I'll be back next Monday with more Braves, Falcons stuff for sure. So I will see you then and in the next one. Thank you.